Welcome to the I Want to Party with Bob podcast. Podcast? What was that? That was weird. Tonight it's episode 16, Tilt Wheel and the History of Tilt Wheel, part four. Today is September the 28th, 2019. Rather a blustery and uh, rainy Saturday here in September. Huh. Weird weather. I like it. Threw my Halloween decorations up today. You know, it's tis the season. Time to get ready for, uh, you know, a little trick-or-treating and uh, all that good stuff. No, I don't trick-or-treat, by the way. I am I take my six-year-old child out trick-or-treating. Thank you. Be fucking weird as shit for a 49-year-old to be trick-or-treating, wouldn't it? Uh, stranger things have happened. Well, tonight, uh, very excited about this edition of the podcast and specifically the Tilt Wheel History series that I've been doing. Tonight, I'm talking about the year 2000 and Tilt Wheels Tour of Japan. Now, I was going to do, and I'll just say this real quick, I was going to do a podcast about basically the whole year 2000. You know, that was the last year that Ross played bass for us uh, before his hiatus of about nine or ten years. And it was a fantastic year, like a really, really good year for Tilt Wheel, like one of the most fun years that I can remember. And I started thinking about what I was going to talk about and how I was going to talk about it. And I go, shit, you know, because what we did in 2000, um, Hairbrain Schematics had come out, had already been out for a little bit. And so riding on the crest of that little tiny wave, you know, like longboard size, like old man wave that we were on with a hair. Yeah. Uh, we toured Japan and we also toured in England that year. And we did, a bunch of other like long weekends and stuff like that. We did a bunch of stuff in 2000, so it was a really good year. This one is just dedicated primarily to our tour of Japan, and it what a tour that was. I had a lot to say about this. I mean, I have, you know, I do, I do actually like script the show more or less, or the podcast, or whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, I do go through and write everything down that I want to talk about page by page by page, and I have several pages of stuff to talk about, so hopefully this will be a good one. I'm pretty enthusiastic and happy about it. Now, one thing I do want to do, though, before I get started talking about Japan, is the something we didn't mention, or we, you know, apparently the royal we, that's me, we are here at the I Want to Party with Bob podcast, which is me, and my, actually my, you know, my spiritual advisor, uh, my wife, Willow. Thank you, Willow, of course, always, babe, uh, always appreciated. Um, editorial staff, management, yeah, yeah, et cetera. Uh, what the fuck was I talking about? <laughs> oh, man. Like, I got totally lost because uh, I started thinking about my wife, and she does distract me still even after <laughs> eight years of marriage. <laughs> so we're almost, Oh, fuck, I hope I got that number right. Um, probably didn't. Okay, so what I was trying to say was, uh, talk to Ross about like kind of the Ross years of Tilt Wheel in the last History of Tilt Wheel podcast. And one thing I didn't mention, and this is crucial, absolutely like fundamentally crucial to the Tilt Wheel story in so many ways, were the Ross pills. And I, I you know, getting everything ready for this podcast, I kind of thought, well, I got to mention the Ross pills in here somewhere. I go, wait, why the fuck didn't I talk about it on the last one when I had Ross here and Ross, you know, came over and we were talking and, and I thought, well, maybe I didn't get his okay to talk about it. Cause it's, you know, slightly sensitive, not really, but 
So I did get the approval of the man himself. So here we go. So let's talk about the Ross pills a little bit. So Ross, I mean, the dude was infectiously happy and energetic and just like a little ball of fire bouncing all over the place. Like, yeah, you know, like just this, like he was something else. I mean, a firecracker. I think that'd be the best way to describe him. He was just the man about town, uh, all over the place doing stuff, you know, playing in tilt wheel, just having the time of his life. And I, I think it was a lot of that were, were the pills that he took. Now, the pills that Ross took uh, were called Silert. And Silert is basically synthetic speed, more or less. Uh, they give it to people who are bipolar. And I believe that Ross said, well, he was taking the pills for being bipolar. And oh, man, yeah, those pills were gnarly. So it, he would actually, um, you know, if somebody needed a little pick-me-up to kind of keep him going and drinking all night and all the next day and all the day after that, yeah, he'd give him a pill. So the Ross pill was a popular thing about town in the late 90s, you know, in the year 2000, uh, quite popular. I did take one one time, and I will never, ever, 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 ever do that again. We were on a long weekend. We played in Costa Mesa, Santa Barbara. Uh, tried to get a show like around Santa Cruz. And that's when I took the pill. Um, and our last show was in San Francisco at this warehouse. This Scotty al- alcoholic dude set it up. And we played with uh, a band called Lab, which was short for Life After Blast. So it was like three of the dudes from Blast who we loved. Uh, yeah, and I took this pill... And drank all day and drank all night and up on oh and then we played the show in San Francisco when I was coming down off of it and oh my god that was quite possibly the worst experience of my life um, or one of them I did not feel normal again for about three days four days after I took that pill from just dr- I mean I drank so much and th- this pill man these people would take it all the time and like woo you know like. Man, it fucked me up. So here, come to find about Siler, the medication, it's since been discontinued. They discontinued it in 2005. Uh, They would prescribe it to people who had ADHD. The scientific name of Siler was uh, Pemeline or Pemeline. What happened with the pill? Now, this speaks volumes about the pharmaceutical industry in the United States, okay? 13 people died of acute liver failure while taking this medication. And what the fuck were we doing? Because when you take that pill, oh, you fuck, you just wanted to stay. You know, it was like being on Coke. And I've never done Coke. I won't touch that shit. Never, never. No, no stimulants for me beyond caffeine, right? Like, I swear to God, nope. It, you fucking drink. You take this pill and you drink and you drink and you drink and you drink. Oh, and great. Guess what the side effect is? Oh, it'll make your liver fail. So 13 people died of liver liver failure taking Silert. So the company that made it ended up discontinued it, be, discontinuing, pardon me, uh, for low sales. Oh, no, no, not because 13 fucking poor saps died while they were taking this shit, because sales were low. <laughs> oh, welcome to fucking America. God, you pieces of shit. I swear to God, like... What is wrong with 
our world and our country, it that could be a whole nother podcast. You know, I'm not going to go into it because I'll be like this guy screaming at the microphone, like, what is wrong with everything? Because there's a lot of wrong shit. So, uh, yeah. So, Siler, so the Ross pill. There, I had to talk about it just a little bit. Uh, you know, that is fundamental because there was a lot of the Ross pills kind of floating around, um, you know, within our peer group and especially my my little Ross. I uh, definitely gave him the extra pep and and whatnot to get through his day. So here we go on the the year 2000. Uh, one last note before I really get going on Japan and the tour and everything. Uh, tonight is brought to you by the good people at the Joseph Brow Brewing Company, which is otherwise known as Trader Joe's. Um, you know, I'm on a budget now. I'm I'm trying to be very budget conscious, so I'm going buying most of my beer at Trader Joe's, which isn't like a massive quantity, but you know, five ninety nine for a six pack. And tonight, it is the Joseph Brow Oktoberfest, German style lager, craft brewed. Here in uh, San Jose, California. Oh, that's a great town. Do you know the way to San Jose? I do. <clears throat> so let's just uh, visit the fine product from the fine people at Joseph Browbury. Oh, yeah, it's good. It's good for five ninety nine for a six-pack. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's going to keep me yapping throughout this this you know period of time that we're here tonight talking about Japan eventually once I wind my slow ass uh to that subject which is the subject of the podcast supposedly not Trader Joe's beer so yep thank you again Trader Joe's people you know if anybody at corporate you know the CEO Joe himself maybe I don't know the guy's fucking name maybe it's I it, uh, a lady I have no idea uh, send me some That'd be great. I'll pick it up locally if it's free. Do what you want. That's what I want. So 2000 was a big year for Tilt Wheel. Uh, you know, Hairbrained had been out for a little bit. We had that interview came out in Flipside that I kind of addressed on the last History of Tilt Wheel podcast. Things were going well for us. I mean, we had a lot, a lot going on, playing, playing a lot of shows, doing this and that. We toured Japan. We toured England. Uh, also, 2000 was the year that Ross quit. He quit in September of 2000 after the England tour, which was in August. And we had one last show with Ross after we toured in England at Brick by Brick in San Diego with Leatherface, of all people, who, you know, we didn't see a single one of them other than Dickie, who wasn't in Leatherface at the time when we were in England. So it's kind of awkward and weird. But, you know, a lot of things with Leatherface can be kind of awkward and weird not saying anything bad just you know those were interesting times so um yeah so the the you know I'll touch more on that when I do a podcast about England and Ross leaving and all that and we'll talk about that so uh for now though I'll tell you what Japan that tour changed my fucking life it really did I mean it really was one of those things that uh how they say travel opens your eyes and kind of broadens your mind and Japan definitely definitely did that for me because it's such an amazing place filled with amazing people so we we flew to Japan obviously we didn't take a boat because that takes like three weeks or something um <clears throat> why I even said we flew to that you know stay on script bro like don't that's I'm talking to myself right now like don't 
fuck with the script. You gotta okay, okay, okay. Well, <clears throat> okay, so we're good. We're back. Uh, we had to drive up to LAX to fly to Japan, and I didn't like flying at the time. Now I don't mind it so much, but back then I don't like it. And you know, a flight to Japan, well, at LAX when you fly to Japan, it takes apparently about two fucking hours just to get in the air because you have to drive on the runway for about six or 700 fucking miles before you even like launch into space you know so we uh we went we took another person with us to japan and this is kind of this is a rough spot here we're gonna talk about uh his name's scott puckett now i don't have anything against him uh i don't have any ill will or bad feelings towards Mr. Scott Puckett. Actually, Puckett's a rad dude. He really, really is. Puckett's a very intense person. Um, and we were going to j- be in Japan for close to three weeks. I think it was like two and a half weeks. Now, we only had like eight shows, but they were kind of spaced out. It was kind of weird. So uh, we were going to be spending a lot of time with Scott Puckett in the future. Now, Scott... Uh, was a big Tilt Wheel fan. Uh, he was at most every show. He had his own fanzine called Sick to Move. Um, he's, at that time, he was com- pretty much completely fucking insane. Uh, so, yeah, it, now, here's the thing. Davey, when questioned about why he invited Puckett to come with us to Japan, his answer was, I wanted to bring the craziest person that we knew with us. What the fuck kind of bullshit is that? Why would you do... Why? This idyllic, like, incredible tour that we're about to go on, like, the tour of our lives up to this point. I mean, I think it still was probably one of the best tours we ever did. Why would you bring this fucking insane person? Why, Davey? Why? Why? I still want the answer. If you're listening to this, you better fucking call me right after you hear this part. And I want a good, a goddamn good answer on why you did that to me. Ah, actually, it doesn't bother me that much. It, it did make things like very, very much more interesting. So, yeah. So anyway, you know, here we are. We're at LAX. Puckett's already driving me kind of nuts. Um, again, I do love the dude. I, just get it out of the way. I love him. I am going to talk shit about him. So if you're listening, Scott Puckett, somewhere out there in Internet Radio Land, you know, I apologize if you are offended or, or hurt or upset about anything that I say about you, uh, but none of it's going to be a lie. It will all be the truth from my perspective. So, you know, that means it's opinion. It's not, you know, you were fucking crazy back then. So so here we go, uh, trying to get on the plane, you know, slammed a couple beers before we got on. I'm nervous as shit. I haven't flown really in, since I was like three years old. And I'm staring down the barrel of a 16-hour flight, you know, and I'm thinking in my head, well, fuck, there's no place to land if the plane, something happens. Like, we're going to land on, like, some island in the middle of the Pacific? Oh, no, we're fucked. I'm dead. So finally kind of came to the realization, like, oh, whatever. I'm just going to die if the plane crashes. So eh, get over it. So we go. uh, I was not smart then about travel, you know. Maybe I'm still not. I don't know. But. I did not exchange any of my money for yen. Now, this is 2000. There were not, you know, you couldn't use like credit cards or 
your ATM card, except for in banks. You know, you had to go to a very specific place to use your money. The be- cash was still kind of the rule of the day. You know, debit cards weren't really much of a thing then yet. Um, they were getting there, but they 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 weren't yet. So I think people still use like those stupid paper credit card machines when you paid for something with a credit card, right? Which was a hell of a way to commit credit card fraud. So yeah, anyway, I not that I know anything about that. Of course, I'm an honest fellow. Uh, so we we go to exchange some of our dollars for yen for the Japanese form of currency. And Davy and Ross get in there at the little currency exchange at LAX and they get some yen. And there is this chick in front of me, this lady, this girl, pardon me, this female person. And she, why did I say chick? You'll, you'll know in just a minute. Um, so she's in front of me and she takes all of the fucking yen. Like there was, by the time I got to the window, the yen was gone because this, fucking piece of shit in front of me took all of the yen like pretty much asked them for I need as much as you can give me you know and it was like dude there's other people here don't you realize that so and she was this like gnarly like you know not a uh, not not a person that I would want to be friends with based on just appearances let's say that to be diplomatic and she had dreadlocks and she was white and I mean let me I'll just leave it at that this this female type person was a white girl with dreadlocks. Now, what does that tell you about her? Right away, I hope the image in your mind is like, fuck her. Like, no, I don't like her already. Just hearing that uh, white girl with dreads. Yeah. No, no, no. What do you like? Big Mountain? You know, I mean, what like the white reggae thing or what the fuck's wrong with you people? So, yeah. So here's Bob. No yen, you know, and the, of course, I'm in the middle of like panic attack and anxiety city at that point in my life was not doing well. So I'm going, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Long flight, long flight, long flight. No money, no money. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I didn't get yen for, I think, three days uh, when we were in Japan. And fortunately, you know, Davy and Ross like loaned me money and everything was fine. But, you know, when your brain, when you're used to like an anxiety state of mind, you're more or less like thinking, oh, you're, I'm just fucked. So the sweet revenge part of the story does come here. Uh, we get on the plane. Here we go. All right. We're flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. All right. Everything's okay. I'm doing okay. I'm Xanaxed up. That's what I used to take when I would fly. And homegirl comes out of the bathroom. And, uh, yeah, she's got toilet paper hanging off of her ass. So, fuck, yes. Thank you, whoever is up there looking out for me because we did get revenge and she had to walk. You know, this plane was gigantic. Um, It's one of those planes that had like five seats in the middle and like five on each side as well. So there's like, it's every row held like 15 people and it was a massive fucking plane. So she had to walk all the way from the back of the plane with toilet paper hanging off of her ass crack, you know. And of course, she was not um, physically you know, a perfect specimen of a specimen of the human species. And she was wearing like these low pants that showed her ass crack and nuts. And that was a bad move on her part because that toilet paper was just right there for everybody to see. So yeah, of course she walks by. I'm like, so yep. Uh, on the flight, you know, it's a 16 hour flight from LAX to Narita airport, uh, which is outside of Tokyo, Japan. 
Uh, I believe I drank one beer for every hour we were in the air. I drank, I think, 16 beers. Now, beers on this flight were free. In these day, in those days of you know pre nine eleven travel, uh, airlines still treated you pretty good, and I think we flew on like Thai Airways or something like that. Oh, it was fantastic! Every time the the person with a cart would come by, me and Ross would be like, "Ah, can we get like six? And they would just give us beers, and we just were slamming beers the whole time, the whole way, the entire way to Japan. Sixteen hours, we would walk back to. The station, you know, where they kept the beers and the food and everything. And, hey, hey can uh, can I get three beers, you know, I, you know, for me and my friends? You know, I drink like one on the way back and come up. Though, Oh, I don't I don't know what happened. I only got two. Sorry, they only gave me two. So, Ross, why don't you go get some more beers? So, Ross, go get more beers. And, oh, God, we got fucked up on, the, on that flight. Like, so, so drunk. Like I said, I probably drank about 16 beers. Ross fell asleep kicked his seat back like laid in the lap of the person behind him the stewardess came up pissed off like uh you drank too much that's why you're sleeping and he was like well yeah that's yeah i mean you keep giving me beers so whose fault who's really at fault here well it's ross's fault really uh so interesting flight we land oh, thank god i was like oh man i'm so, never had been so happy to be on terra firma you know uh Going through customs on the way to Japan, we had a plan, more or less. Now, I couldn't take symbols. I couldn't take anything. Otherwise, we'd have to have visas, right? So all I took with me were drumsticks. So the plan was, if customs gave me too hard of a time, I had to say, oh, I brought drumsticks because I'm going to the Tama Drum Factory in, you know, wherever the fuck it is in Japan. And I knew where it was then. I don't remember where it was. It is now. It's not important to the the story here. But regardless, that was the story. Okay, that's what I'm doing. I'm not coming here to play music. I'm not on tour. I'm not making any money. I'm not doing anything with these drumsticks other than, you know, check out some drums at a drum factory, apparently, which really sounds weak in hindsight. <laughs> but, hey, you know, um, who nobody ever accused Tilt Wheel of being a genius-level intellect. So I, I don't think. Uh, so, of course, Customs was a breeze for everyone but me. And I start going through, and the guy starts questioning me about every little fucking thing. Where are you going? What are you doing? Who are who are you? Like what? Blah 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 blah. Fuck, man. So I made it through by the seat of my pants. Apparently, got out, and there's our ride is waiting for us with Shimo, one of the bands that we toured for a lot of this uh, tour was uh, a band called Water Closet. I'll talk about them later for sure. Shimo, who I knew, they had actually been out to the states. Not, you know, maybe about six months or so before, and we played a couple shows with them. Um, and when the tour, this tour got all set up, like, they were one of the bands we were going with. And we're like, oh, great. Yeah, we already know these guys. And also a guy named G1. He had a different name. G1 was what he went by. Um, kind of sounds like a spy, doesn't he? G1 was rad. He was such a rad dude. But they pick us up. We're driving. You know, like, it's Narita is about two, two and a half hours outside of Tokyo, I believe to the north of Tokyo. So you're driving, driving, driving. Oh, like, fuck yeah, it feels so good to be on the ground. Meanwhile, Puckett's like, Bob, we're in Japan. 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 Bob, can you believe it? We're in Japan. Bob, we're in Japan. I was like, oh, fuck me. Like this, I have to listen to this for the next like two and a half weeks. 
Like, get the fuck away from me, dude. I was like, yes, I'm happy to be here. Yes. Yes, Puckett. Yeah, okay, yes, yes. Jesus Christ, man. So, oh, yeah, one of the other reasons Puckett went with us, supposedly, was to film us playing and the tour and the bands we were playing with and then release, like, a DVD of our tour, which never happened. And he did film us the whole time, but it never came out. And I always would hit him up and say, hey, do you have it? I mean, can I have just a copy of it? Because I'd love to see it. You know, and oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll get it to you sometime. You know, maybe the fucking medication hadn't worn off yet. I don't know, whatever. God, don't, I'm not saying bad shit about him. This is just the way he was. So, regardless, that was the beginning of my my uh, sojourn in uh, Japan. Headed to Tokyo, went to a little bar and met some of the other people we were going to be playing with, um, some of the other people from Water Closet, and Disgustines was another band I think I said that with G1, yeah, the, um, and, you know, drank and ate and, oh, yeah, this is like crazy. Whoa, like we're in Tokyo, rad. Okay, cool. So we went back and stayed at uh, the singer for Disgusting's house, I believe it was, or his little tiny apartment. It's like, oh, damn, this place is like tiny. And I drank, like we ran out of beer, so I was hitting like Southern Comfort up till 5 a.m. now. You cross the dateline when you go to Japan, flying from California to Japan, you you it's the next day when you get there because you cross the international dateline. So, I mean, add this, you know, however many hours I was up before we flew, at least five, I would guess, 16-hour flight. So right there, that's 21 hours, party and party and party until five in the morning. And we landed, it was probably, I don't know, like eight or nine at night. Or we didn't, no, 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 we landed... It was dark, so I, I would guess maybe around 7 or something. Um, and we partied. We stayed up till 5 in the morning partying, and we had a huge, like an 8-hour-long drive for our first show. It was the very next day. And I, oh, my fucking God, I was so hungover. I don't drink hard alcohol, and I just wanted to keep the party going. I was ex- I was excited to be there. Yes, Puckett, I was. I was very excited to be in Japan. I was really looking forward to the whole thing. So, um here we pile into this van with a bunch of dudes, you know, heading to our first show, which was in Osaka, which is about eight hours south of Tokyo. So incredibly long drive, incredibly hungover and tired and hadn't really only slept like a couple hours. You know, the key to this story at this moment is Puckett had not slept yet. Okay. Puckett, I don't think he slept on the plane. He was kind of like a bit player on the plane. Yeah, he drank with us a little bit, but you know, you got to keep this in mind. This is gets important later. So, um, meanwhile, also with Puckett, he, uh, the Puckett wore the same pair of pants for the entire trip. And they, like I said, it's about two and a half weeks. Japan's fairly humid and warm in May. It's not bad. It's nice, you know? Um, but it is an Island and it's a big Island granted, but it gets fairly humid. So yeah, he had the, wore the same pair of pants. What he, the, the first night we were there, his idea was to have everybody that he met, more or less, r- sign his pants with a Sharpie, write something on his pants. Like, ah, that's, fuck, that's genius. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Well, because I'm not fucking insane. That's why I didn't think of it. Uh, so it began that night. Oh, can you sign my pants? Okay, so everybody's, is, you know, um, Japanese is signing Puckett's pants. So 
those pants took on a life of their own. They did have, I think he had probably close to like 100 signatures all the way up and down. I feel really bad for the people who had to sign near the crotch. That's danger zone. So uh, driving to Osaka, you know, met Coda, who is actually somebody that I still have some interaction with. He's rad. Like, Coda's one of the raddest dude. He plays bass in Worthwhile Way now. He was the bass player in Disgustings. And on the way down, he they had stacks and stacks of porno mags, Japanese porno mags, in this van. And he was reading them the entire time and had to keep pointing out to me, like, oh, look at her. Like, I was like, okay, dude, fine, whatever, you know, great, great. So I go, wait, I, I, he's looking, and I go, how come there are phone numbers next to each of these pictures of some of these girls? And he's like, oh, yeah, you can, you can call them and, you know, basically have sex with them so i was like oh so is prostitution legal in japan well you sort of okay all right whatever and also um oh and he was telling me like oh and also like you can call them and buy their underwear from them hmm hey let me think about that for a minute what would you want to do with some some girls underwear specifically i didn't ask i don't want to know it's not one of a thing that I'm into for sure. Um, play it pretty straight here, though. I want to party with Bob podcast, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could buy, call this girl and say, Hey, um, yeah, let me come down to wherever you're at. And I'm going to buy some of your underwear that you've worn used. I mean, used and I'm sure not clean, hmm. not very interesting. So that was my ride down. So I definitely, um, was feeling very twilight zone. Now, let me say, you know, it, t- it took like just to get out of Tokyo, took like two or three hours like it's a that city is fucking massive it's huge 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 once you leave the city though oh my god like you've ever seen a godzilla movie the countryside is it's gorgeous i've ab trees and green and oh my god it's so beautiful uh we drove past mount fuji i think unless if i was like hallucinating at that point from you know having this Japanese porn being talked about in my right ear for eight hours straight and no sleep and super, super hungover drunk still, whatever you want to say. Like I, maybe I did hallucinate. Maybe I didn't see Mount Fuji. I hope I did. Cause I always say I did. Uh, but yeah, the countryside is beautiful. So we get to Osaka. Uh, Osaka was my moment of, culture shock. Osaka is a big city and we were playing like kind of right in the city center, you know, uh, we was a big venue, like a really big venue. Um, we walked around walking the streets of Osaka, checking things out, like got something to eat and this and that. And like, there's hip hop blasting everywhere. And I was like, Whoa, Davey, like Davey had been to Japan the year before he was, went there on tour with uh, a band he was in called Everetti. And like they had great shows. They played all these crazy shows and like had a really good time and whatever. I mean, I'm not, you know, comparing the, the, we'll talk more about that though, as we go on. But, um, punk at the time, punk rock in Japan was gigantic. Like in 1998, 1999 ish, uh, by the time 2000 rolled around, hip hop was the big thing. And, you know, the Japanese people can be very, um, latchy on things. Like they really, when they discover something that they like, the entire country goes fucking nuts for it, right? It seemed that way because everywhere we went, we heard hip hop. Every town we were in, there were the Japanese girls. Now, this is very interesting. The trend for them at the time, 
and it kind of went along with the hip hop music. And this is really fucking strange, right? The trend for them was to put on makeup that made their skin look very dark, not like an African American, you know, not like like a, a chocolate brown kind of thing, but definitely darker than you know. A lot of Japanese uh, people are fairly pale. I mean, it, it is the complexion uh, that they have that they're born with. That in some cases, regardless, um, these girls would like make themselves up, make their faces up. I don't know if they got like spray tans or what, but like to where they were, uh, there it is up the official, the starting bell, the, the gun at the beginning of the relay race. That is the, I want to party with Bob podcast. Thank you. Welcome aboard. Ah, just had Oktoberfest it up there for a moment. Um, so the girls had like changed the color of their skin, essentially, dyed their hair blonde and wore like these crazy, crazy, like platform high heel shoes. And they were all over the place. And I was like, oh, what the fuck is this place? <laughs> like, this is so weird. Like, wow, I've never seen anything like this. So, yeah, yeah, big culture shock moment for me. Um, we, we, you know, we had some time to kill before the show. So I was kind of roaming around by myself a little bit, just checking things out and, um, taking the escalator out. This is another jarring reality of a lot of what we did see in Japan is there are not a lot of Westerners, you know, outside of say Tokyo. And I didn't even really see that many Westerners in Tokyo, um, like white European people or anybody, you know, from anywhere other than like Japan, like it's rare to see Westerners or, or outsiders in Japan at that time. I don't know how it is now, but so, you know, here I am, this, this, stupid white dude cruising around and oh da -da 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 -da. and these two teenage boys like ran up to me when I was kind of walk going back to the venue we were playing at like giggling ha, ha, oh ha, ha, can, can we have your autograph ha, 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 oh. and I was like who what who me what do you, I I honestly I said what like why do you what do you want my autograph for and they're all, oh please please sign our shirts sign our shirts I'm like I'm like I I think I even said, like, do you know who I am? I'm not, I'm fucking, like, nobody, dude. I'm the drummer in some shitty punk band, man. Like, I go, oh, fuck, okay. So I wrote some stupid shit, like, you know, keep it real, uh, bro. Uh, hard XOXO Bob on their shirts. And, oh, they were so thankful and happy. I was like, oh, shit. Well, maybe I am somebody, you know. Maybe that, maybe my life is finally turning around. Ah, I didn't think that. I just thought that was kind of weird. But, um. Yeah, we, we, this show had six bands, okay, and this was fairly early, so the show hadn't, and I was exhausted, so I actually went back in, like, the kind of backstage area for the show, laid on concrete, and tried to sleep, like, with my hoodie as a pillow, and couldn't sleep, and um, Ross is out, just, you know, fucking Ross pilling it up, so he's, like, bouncing around and, like, while the bands are playing, oh, that's the best time I, I actually have a picture of that, and I can't fucking find it that is the per that sums up ross in japan for this tour like there's a picture of him in a sea of japanese people this show was huge there were like two thousand maybe three thousand people at the show it was gnarly right and there's rot there's a picture of ross like jumping up and down in the crowd like you know a couple heads above the rest of the crowd like woo you know like oh my god <laughs> like it is a fuck if i find it all social media, the shit out of that. I don't know. I, I already looked for it. I can't find it. I'll I'll try and sort it out. 
Um, but we, we, two of the bands we were with, Water Closet and Disgustings, played first time I heard them since we played with them about six months prior. And first time I actually really paid attention because when they played, I kind of like, I watched them a little bit, but I was more outside, like talking to my friends or whatever, you know, and they're fucking fantastic bands. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about them later, go into some, some details after we spent some more time with them on the road. So, um, yeah, super, super fun show, um, at a place called big cat. And yeah, it was gnarly, gnarly, gnarly show. Um, it's very, very crowded, very fun. So we we had to do an all night drive after that. So I'm going, oh man, like I'm not gonna sleep tonight. I'm gonna be I couldn't sleep when driving back then. It was kind of a bad scene, you know. I was like, oh shit. So because we were playing in uh, the Fukuoka the next day, which is an island off the southern tip of the main island of Japan. The main island is called Honshu, and Fukuoka is on an island called Kyushu. Uh, sorry, Kyushu. Um, it's the next island south of the main island of Japan. Okay, so you know what? If you're that interested in it, I just gave you a little geography lesson. Hey, look it up online, tough guy. You can do that for me, can't you? Okay, you can. So, uh, driving, driving. I'm hitting the Southern Comfort again just so I can sleep. And oh, I did. Thankfully, blissful, blissful sleep, blissful sleep. Uh, we stop at this bridge to take some pictures that jumps between the two islands between Honshu and uh, Kyushu. And uh, you know, Davey was offering to teabag Sue, the drummer. Um, I think his name was Sue Hero, was, but we call him Sue. Uh, everybody called him Sue. Um, he was offering to teabag him and instructing him in, on how you teabag people at that time. I think Davey was going on like pretty much zero sleep as well, so we were in a rough spot. Um, he was just trying to help out his fellow man by, you know, he said, let me teabag you. You'll feel better kind of thing. He didn't go for it. So that's kind of good in a way. I, I don't know anybody that would like to have Davies balls in their mouth. Do you answer? Your, honestly, think about that question for a minute. Do you know where those balls have been? Hmm. Okay. Neither do I. And I don't want to know. So uh, we get to Fukuoka. The next day, you know, it was the next morning. It did get a little sleep. Uh, they took us. Shimo said, oh, like, we're going to go get some food. Shimo from Water Closet, right? He was kind of like the dude in charge in some ways. Like, Shimo's the man. Um, he's, we're going to go get something to eat. We're going to go to this ramen place. It's like the best ramen place in Japan. And, oh, okay, good. Yeah, I love ramen. Dude, this ramen was fucking incredible. It haunts me. It haunts my dreams. It haunts. It, it 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 has like attached itself to my taste buds and never left. And you know this is 19 years ago. Uh, oh my god, it was a crazy place too. You walk in and you sit and you're kind of like in a booth for one, right? And right in front of you is this like wooden panel. On the sides of you are like like wooden walls, and you're sitting like on a little bench thing. And there's a paper and a pencil and. Shimo was showing me, like, oh, you you check off what you want. And it was all, like, pork ramen. Um, I'd be bummed now because I don't eat meat anymore. But, you know, back then, like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll give me the whole fucking – put throw the whole pig in that bowl. Uh, I also hadn't eaten much at that time either. So uh, was a very picker, picky eater at the time. Not now. I'm cool now. You know, finally became, like, a normal person, more or less. Well, sort of, more or less. So um, 
you could also choose what spice level you wanted, how spicy you wanted. So I, I took the safe road and took a, a moderate spice and you slid this paper, um, under the wall in front of you, like a little cutout in the wall. You slid it under there. Someone back behind there in the kitchen, grabbed your thing, filled up your bowl, made it the way you wanted it, slid, you know, slid open the, the hatch, whoosh, out comes your ramen. Whoa, like, fuck, this is like Jetsons level shit, but with humans, um, which is, yeah, so it's not really, more like Flintstones level, but it wasn't like, you know, the giant fucking hedgehog, like making your ramen and shooting it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind. Um, I thought the ramen was tight, man. I remember Shimo, like, got it super spicy, and he was fucking, like, dripping sweat. I was like, is it good? And he was like, oh, it's very good. It's very, very hot. <laughs> and I was like, dude, like, drink some water, man. You'll feel better. Trust me. Yeah, God, I'll never forget that place. I, I will, to this day, if I, I've never had anything that was that goddamn good. I'm serious, too. And I've eaten some delicious shit, and that was, like, the best shit. I would skip the vegetarian thing and go straight for that ramen. If there was one close by that was even close to that, oh, fuck it. Give it to me, all of it. Um, yeah, so that night we played a... Uh, a show in like a seven story building. It was really weird. I've never played in a seven story building before. And we played on like the top floor and, it, and we played with a band that was fucking awesome. And I, damn it. If I can't remember their name, but I think, I think they were some of the dudes from cigarette man, which I believe they're still around. They've been around for a long time and we're staying at their house and they had this like kind of clashy feel. They were awesome. So we, I mean, water closet played again, disgustings, Great, great show. Uh, hung out, went back to the place we were staying. And, you know, beds in Japan aren't like beds here. Like it, back then, I don't know how things are now. Again, this is many years ago. And they just kind of had like mats on the on the floor. Totally fine with me. So I asked the guy, like, hey, where do I sleep? And he pointed in a room like, oh, over here. There's a, you know, you can sleep there. Okay, great. So I'm like, oh, finally, real sleep. So I lay down in the bed and... This Japanese dude walks in. And he's like, like, hey, he, like, move over, move over. You know, like, I'm, I'm gonna lay next to you. I was like, fuck, no, you're not. No, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I don't know you. It's some like random dude too, you know. And no, 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 I'm not homophobic or anything like that whatsoever. Trust, no, honestly, like, I really, truly am not. But I'm not comfortable sleeping next to a strange dude and on a twin size feather mattress that's, you know, only about two inches thick. <coughs> far more a comfort thing for me rather than having to sleep next to another dude. I, Dude, uh, me and Davey have slept in the same bed like a hundred times, so don't th ever think that I'm being weird in that way, you know? That's kind of weird sleeping with Davey too, though. That motherfucker used to snore so bad. Well, I snore and cry my teeth, so I digress. I'm sorry, Davey, if you're listening. I hope you will listen to this one. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm a way worse sleeper than you. I'm, I'm you have my heartfelt apology. So uh, next day, let's change the page here. Uh, we went out and uh, got to see a lot more of the Japanese countryside on our way to our next destination, which I think it was Nagoya. I'm not really positive, but, um, you know, sad note, like drove past Hiroshima. Didn't actually just saw signs on the highway that said Hiroshima this way. And we, you know, like we said to the, the people we, we were with who were all Japanese, like, you know, Hey, for us, that's 
not something that we're proud of that our country did to your country kind of thing, you know, and, and I'm sorry if you disagree with me, but that's my stance on that is I, and I went over that in the Godzilla podcast. I do not think that the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki were necessary. So there you have it, you know, fucking unfollow me, unsubscribe. If you have a different viewpoint and that pisses you off, cause I don't want you around anyway. So, um, so regard, and you probably think I'm wrong for saying that anyway. So, well, you know, fuck, go post about it on Facebook. Jesus Christ. Like I got time for some fucking right wing nut job bullshit here. Cause I don't, I don't, I'm here to have fun and not talk about some deep state conspiracy bullshit. You know, got Hiroshima focus, focus. Hey, come on. No, let me get a little, Ooh, we're going to, we're going to uh, go to Joseph Brow for a moment. Uh, excellent choice. Excellent vintage, you know, mm, taste like about a, maybe, uh, you know, August of 2019. Hmm. Oh, it's delicious. So one of the things we did see on the highway as we're driving to our next destination from Fukuoka was um, if they're doing construction on the road, they actually had like these robot things out that would like one arm would what they weren't really um, they weren't really robots. I'm sorry. They were they were animatronics. OK, like auto audio, whatever audio animatronics, what you like they call it at Disneyland, like Mr. Lincoln four score and seven years ago, that thing where you go when you're tired and just want to take a nap for 20 minutes at Disneyland, right? The moment, great moments with Mr. Lincoln or whatever the fuck. So yeah, yeah. They have these animatronic things and that they're like waving their arms and they have like a flag in, in one arm and it's like going up and down, up and down. And the weird thing about it was that the, some of them had light skin and some of them had dark skin, like very dark skin, like a very dark shade of Brown. And it was kind of like, Hmm, why, whoa, why do they have like two different, do the colors mean something of their skin? You know? And I asked one of the dudes like, Hey, why, how come they're, some of them are different colors. He's like, fuck, I don't know. Huh? I never solved that mystery. I should, I'm going to internet that shit in a little bit and see what's up with that. So, um, so the other thing we did now in my, in, in, you know, being the smartest member of tilt wheel, that's me, you know, thank you. Yeah, I'm not actually Davy is probably, um, but I, uh, you know, at the time I, I'm sure I felt like I was the smartest when I was a shithead, but I got a Japanese to English dictionary before we left. And of course what we went straight to was learning and we practiced this on the way from Fukuoka to Nagoya. I, I believe it was Nagoya anyway, uh, Key words that would help us get through if our, you know, if our uh, tour mates were not there with us. And some of them were um, how to order a beer. Say, uh, Nama Biru Kurasai, which means like draft beer, please. Hmm, that's a good one to know. Also, there we learned how to ask for cigarettes or where you could buy cigarettes and um, where we could buy beer. Like, th- really, that's about all we learned because we kind of said, well, fuck it. We don't need to know anything else. If we have beer and smokes, we're fine. And it did serve us well for our entire journey. So there you have it, folks. And also, um, Davey on the way on this little leg of the journey uh, was trying to teach Asuka, the you know singer guitarist from Water Closet, um, trying to teach her curse words in Spanish. And it, he wasn't having a lot of success. Her English wasn't so great. Um, but you know, we you could you could communicate with her, but sort of, kind of, you know. Super incredible. I'm going to talk more about them here in a few minutes. I water closet people were some of my favorite people I've ever met in my entire life. And that's a no shit statement right there. Um, 
you know, but he was trying to teach her Spanish curse words and it, yeah, it didn't stick. I hope she did learn something from that. Um, so we played a show in Nagoya, I believe. It, you know, don't remember much about that show, but I do remember a key thing. This was a first thing night that we did this, and it, this is, becomes like a tradition for the rest of the shows, more or less, is after the show, you go out, and you go to a restaurant, and usually it's like a two-story building or something. They call it, oh, we're taking you guys to the pub. Okay, cool. All right, fuck, sounds like a deal to me. So you go to this like top level of this restaurant, the second floor or whatever. You go in, you go up there. They, you have like private servers that are bringing you drinks and beer and um, the magic, magic juice that is shochu. Oh, oh, shochu. Oh, my God. I love that shit. Oh, oh, just thinking about it makes my turtles, my, my turtles, uh, makes my toes curl. Oh, God. I loved it. That all it was was just fucking straight alcohol and mixed with water and ice and a little lime or lemon juice. And, oh, yeah, dude, oh, that shit's so good. So you go there. You have, like, dinner and the, all the bands that played the show that night. So it's just a big fucking party. Everybody's playing games, like these drinking games and, like, this weird version of, like, strip uh, strip poker-ish you know, where like you do things and you got to take your shirt off. It's like, oh, fuck. Davey played it one night and got almost naked. That was horrifying. Um, yeah, dude, the pubs were the like my favorite part. Oh, everybody, just, you're sitting in there smoking. And now this, here's the other thing, too, culture shock wise, which, which I loved, though. You sit on the ground like you're sitting on like a pillow or a padded surface on the ground. The table's only about, yeah, I don't know, maybe a foot or two off the ground. And everybody's just sitting there having, oh, dude, yeah, that was so great. So much fun. Every night after the show, you just go out and party and then go to somebody's house and crash and wake up and do it all over the next day. Yeah, that was that was one of my favorite things about Japan for sure. So now we made our way back to Tokyo from that show um, and played with the urchin at like a studio. It was Water Closet, Disgusting's Urchin, and Tilt Wheel. And that, the fucking urchin, man, if you never heard them, I... I Hmm. I'm probably going to hit them up and see if I can play a song on a future podcast. If you haven't heard The Urchin, they are so great. It, truly. I don't know if they're still around or not. I need to find out if they are. But, uh, yeah, they're they're an incredible, incredible band. And we knew of The Urchin beforehand, loved them, all three of us did, and we were so stoked to play that show. That was, that was a fun night. Now, one of the things, another strange thing we discovered about, the span, about Japan um, – in a series of strange discoveries about Japan throughout this whole trip was that, you know, there are machines literally for everything in Japan, or there were in the year 2000, okay? Uh, beer, yes, beer vending machines everywhere, all over the place. Oh, what a disastrous combination that was with a band like us where our prime occupation outside of playing music while on tour would be drinking. Uh, hmm. We actually had things pretty much under control then, so we didn't drink all day or nothing, but, oh, it was there and everywhere. Um, cigarette machines, coffee, hot food, hot food. One of the these machines, and this was one of the last days we were on this tour. It was in a rest stop on our way to the airport. Um, I'm looking going, oh, like, what am I going to eat? You know, what's this? And I asked one of the guys, hey, like, what's what are these? They look like, like meatballs, right? I go, what are these things, you know? It's like, I don't know, like 200 yen or something like that, right? They're all, oh, that's, um, uh, those are octopus balls. Like, oh, 
So it's like basically ground octopus meat made into a meatball. I did order them, and they were fucking delicious. Again, second thing I didn't know I loved that much, those octopus balls were some of the, that was some of the best shit I've ever eaten in my entire life. And no, they're not octopus testicles. They're balls of ground octopus meat. Maybe there's, do octopuses, octopi? Pardon me, that's the right way to say octopus plurally, correct? Do they have testicles or balls? I don't know if they do. Hmm. That bears uh, also internet, you know, internet. So uh, we'll check that out. Yeah, the octopus balls were fucking tight, though. Beer, cigarette, coffee, soda, whatever the fuck you wanted were in vending machines. That was so, so great. So what we discovered the night after the urchin show is Ross and I were kind of wandering around with a couple other people. And here's an arcade. Oh, cool. Let's go play a game. And we did. And um, they had one of the claw machines, you know, where you put some money in and you maneuver the claw to pick up a stuffed animal. But no, no. Inside, ooh, I just bumped my mic stand and that was loud. Um, in the machine were, were live lobsters. So if your ass was lucky enough, it was like an aquarium. If your ass was lucky enough, you could claw and grab a live lobster and take it home and do whatever the fuck you want with it. You know, have a new pet, eat it, uh, whatever. What was very weird, but like, okay, all right, Japan. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? You guys do whatever you want. That's fine. So that ends kind of the first part of uh, the first half of the tour, more or less, that we were on with Water Claws and Disgusting. So let me talk about them real quick. Those people in both those bands were, they were the shit. Those bands were so, and musically, like, so good. Water Closet, they're hard to to pin down. Kind of a punkish sound, for sure, but they also, they just, it's more like, um, God, man, it really hard to pin down. So here's what Ross, how he describes Water Closet. Um, spastic harmonies of somewhat happiness. Okay. Yeah. There it's like melodic and kind of like on the little bit on the mellower side and a little hard sometimes like fuck they're great. Look them up. You can you can get them on they're on Discogs. I'm pretty sure they're on Bandcamp. Just give them a listen because they're fucking fantastic. I'm not going to play them on this. Um I'm focusing on playing the Tilt Wheel songs. And by the way, which I'm an idiot in the the very beginning of the podcast, the song that was the first snippet of that song was a song called Can't Remember Shit from the split we did just specifically for this tour with uh, Oval, who we're going to start talking about here in a minute. But, um, yeah, that was the first song on the split that we did just for the Japanese tour release, which they kind of demand when they set up a tour for you in Japan. um, They want you, you have to have, you have to put something out that's like Japanese only. It's only being released in Japan. So that's what we did. So, um. So Water Closet is uh, Shimo, plays bass and sings. Shimo's kind of like the leader of the pack here for us. Um, Asuka, and she she was this phenomenally cool, like, Japanese girl, like, insanely, insanely cool. Even though the language barrier was strong with her, she was super, super great, super nice. Ross did fall in love with her. Yes, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, she sang and played guitar. Uh, Sue was the drummer. Um and Hero was the guitar player who was an incredibly shy. I think the only time we ever really talked to him was one night he got really drunk. And he, I think he started crying. And he was, oh, yeah, yeah, it was on our last night, the last celebration. Oh, he started crying and hugging us. And, oh, man, it was touching. Like, dude was a sweetheart. He was a younger kid. Like, and it was, you know, 
I think he didn't tour much or whatever, you know, hadn't been out too much or whatever. Uh, but he was a sweet kid. So Disgustings, now, they're a different story from Water Closet. They're pretty easy to pigeonhole. Very screeching weasel, Ramones, you know, kind of sound. like. But they brought the fucking rock, dude. That band was so in- awesome, awesome. So G1 was the guitar player. The letter G, the number one, okay? It's not his real name, by the way. I hmm, Maybe it was. What if his parents actually named him G1? Oh, G1, like... Oh, oh, okay, whatever. Um, he played with red 1980s new wave sunglasses on every night and had like a bowl haircut and was one of the raddest people I've ever met in my entire life, too. Incredibly nice dude. Um, uh, Kiyoshi played guitar and sang in Disgustings. Coda played bass. And Coda and I, uh, Coda's actually in Worthwhile Way now, which is another, you know, Pretty good-sized Japanese band. They've been to the United States a few times. They played Awesome Fest. I think they played Fest. Uh, they're, they're fantastic people. And I believe I believe there's a split with Tilt Wheel coming out of new Tilt Wheel songs with Worthwhile Way. So that's coming up. I just found out about that today. That's, so it's a good place to break the news here on the I Want to Party with Bob podcast.com. Thank you. Um, and then the drummer, we don't know his name, but we're going to call him what we called him on the tour, Didi. Because when he played drums, he had a haircut, just like D.D. Ramon. Ripping drummer, too. Insanely good drummer, right? Had that just Ramon's kind of sound, like, down pat. Wore a leather fucking jacket. Sunglasses when he played. Um, had the D.D. Ramon haircut. He was one of the Ramones. Somehow, he ended up in Japan. And so his name, henceforth, shall be called D.D. Because that's what we called him. So, um those two bands, like, it was such a pleasure to play with them every night. They were incredible, man. I mean, I still listen to them to this day and go, God, these songs are so fucking good. Like, they truly are. So check out both those bands. Um, if I do get songs, I'll put them on the news, the Spotify playlist that I started last week. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit's tight. Disgustings and water closets. So next, next on uh, the agenda here, I'm going to talk a little bit about our – the next phase of our, our tour was with a band called Oval that we did the split with and also a band called Zero Fest. So we're back going to uh, do stuff with Zero Fest and Oval. And the first the first night we met the dudes from Oval, we stayed at the singer guitar player of Oval's house. And it, this is where things got kind of weird a little bit. Um, we, you know, Shimo... And Coda and Asuka and all the people that we were buddying up in G1 that we were buddying up with with in Water Closet and Disgust Teens kind of went their own way, and we kind of got dumped with these other guys. And we go to the singer of Oval's house, and, you know, small little place. Um, I'll actually post a picture of what we did at his house because we fucking partied at his house that night. It was fun. Now, his I don't remember his name. I can't because he didn't really – speak that good English and I didn't really interact with him too much but um, I do remember his wife because his wife basically became um, our like a butler more or less at, while we were in the house he had her like bringing us food and anytime we needed a beer he would have her go get us a beer and I was like no no like I, we can get our own beer dude we'll go to the fridge and get like whatever and he's like no nope, uh-uh, no no she she gets it for you like okay it was kind of a bummer. It was like, dude, like what? You have this like totally subservient wife 
and she was very kind and nice to us. Like we ended up hanging out with her more than like any of the dudes in either of the bands. Like she showed us around, they lived in Tokyo. Like she showed us around their neighborhood, took us on the train and we went and did all this other stuff with her and a couple of dudes from urchin big with the nickname of one of the guys in the urchin or what they called him big because he was like six foot 10 or something. He was fucking gigantic. Right. And it is a myth you know, that Japanese people are shorter than, like, your average uh, white European descent American male. And that's not really true. There are, they were all, you know, just to dispel that myth here and now, they're all about the same size. I mean, we're all the same size. So anyway, the, um, yeah, it was fucking weird. But one thing also to note, like, anytime we'd stay at someone's house, which was most nights after the shows, um, they would bust out their collection of music and videos and the they most of them had videos of British bands playing in Japan on their Japanese tours. And Leatherface was a staple. Now, we were huge Leatherface fans then and now, of course. So we were so stoked. So all these live videos of Leatherface, Leather, uh, Leatherface playing in Japan. Like we saw some broccoli st- stuff. Like, dude, it was so rad. Chopper. Like all these British bands that we were head over heels in love with. Um, yeah, so it was incredible. Um, the next day we take off to go to the next leg of our journey. Um, we had, I think three shows with them, two or three. Um, I think we played in Niigata and then Sendai and then, yeah, it was three shows Sendai. And then in some mountain town, and I cannot remember or, or research and find out the actual name of the town. Um, it was up like a ski resort town way in the North on, uh, Honshu, like way, way up in the North. So, um, so we, we get going and there, we had two vans for three bands all together and they're pretty good sized vans or whatever. And I got stuck with Puckett in a van with all the oval guys who didn't speak any English, which is fine. I mean, whatever I'm in their country, they're not in, you know, I don't give a fuck, whatever. Um, listening to this god awful as like they were playing as a joke they were playing this like all japanese uh, girl pop band that was popular at the time kind of like japan's version of the spice girls um and i had Puckett right next to me and i was like oh fuck no i'm gonna die like i can't be in this van so i fucking switched we stopped to get gas or something and i'll um i'm gonna go ride with those other guys i don't care if i have to sit like on the dashboard because I can't fucking handle this anymore. Mostly because Puckett just wouldn't leave me alone. You know, I was like, oh, dude, ugh, shut up, please. Jeez. So, yeah, I switched. I, I switched. And, um, yeah, that was pretty good. Um, so I think the show in Nigata is where we get to the place and they're like the guy that one of the guys in one of the bands from that town that we were playing in told us like, hey, Tell the guys from the United States, like, tell the fucking white dudes, don't go wandering around. Don't wander away from the club because the Yakuza come out at night and they will fucking kill them. They will beat the shit out of them and kick them the fuck out of here. And um, they told us, like, hey, you guys. Uh, Shimo actually went with us. I think Shimo was, you know, one of the drivers. Like, he kind of was the tour coordinator guy a little bit. And, um, yeah, Shimo went with us. So he told us, Hey, you guys like, don't, 
don't leave the club, don't do anything. So what did we do? Oh, okay, all right, we'll be cool. We're not going to go anywhere. We'll we'll stay right around here. They you know turn their back and we're like, oh, later. <laughs> like down the street we go. Okay, let's go see the town a little bit. See what we got. Ross actually went into a tattoo shop that had a sign out front that said uh, Japanese only in, um, you know, not in kanji, not in the the symbol uh, writing of Japanese, but in like English, it said Japanese only. And he walked in and said, oh, hey, you know, can I maybe get a tattoo? And the guy (laughs) like ran the place, just gave him like a nasty, dirty look and was like, you know, get out of here. So he did, and no, we didn't die. We're still here. No, no Yakuza. And at the end of the night, we went out. We went to a pub, and I, we were talking to Shima. We're like, what was that all about? Like He's like, well, I think maybe he was being a little overly cautious because there are Yakuza around here, but you know, they're like a gang. They're like the mob, the Japanese mafia, basically, right? Very traditional, tattooed all over, like gnarly dudes, right? Gnarly people, whatever. Um yeah, they. he's like, yeah, I mean, if they were around and they saw you, they probably would have fucked you up at the very least. So, oh, okay, good to know. So, But we did survive it. That's good. Um, from there, we went to Sendai, Send, Sendai, Sendai, pardon me, played at a place called Birdland. You know, not too memorable of a show. All of the shows were really fun, but I don't remember any specifics about it. I remember the next day we got up and went walking around um, the town like we – where we stayed in a record store, we slept in a record store that night that the guy putting on the show had or something like that. And, uh, that was the night that I had had my shits of pocket. I got to say, I had to take a little sip of beer just kind of to calm down and calm my nerves a little. Um, cause I'm starting to get, you know, like the adrenaline's rushing through me. Think about it. actually, it's not that bad. I'm kidding. Um, Puckett just kept going. He kept going and talking, talking, talking. And I said, Puckett, if you don't shut the fuck up right now, I'm going to fucking punch you in the face. And that's it. You're done. I'm going to fucking sock you and lay you out, dude. I'm done. And so he stopped talking. And you know what? From then on out, he and I had a beautiful relationship for the rest of the tour. We truly did. And Puckett, by the way, I was complaining at the the beginning of talking about this tour. I was I was complaining about not getting enough sleep. Um, you know, like, okay, I, you know, oh gosh, you know, the first couple days, like I didn't sleep a lot. Puckett didn't sleep for like three and a half days. And by the end of that three and a half days, he was literally falling apart as his human body could no longer take the stresses he was putting on it. And he didn't talk for a good day. He couldn't because his body no longer functioned like a normal body does. Um, and well, and now, you know, here, here we are by the time we're in Sunday, that's like the sixth show or something. Uh, he had probably about 60 signatures all over his fucking nasty ass pants. So there we go. Um, so yeah, so Sunday, Sunday was a cool place. We went in this crazy like video store and, oh, just, you know, God, what an amazing place Japan is. It truly is. So, uh, now we roll to this little mountain town and we get there and it's like really like a, this is May, so it's not, there's no snow or anything like that, and it's not a, wasn't a big town, it was a really small town, it was really cool. What wasn't cool was the pictures of, like, naked Japanese woman squirting diarrhea in the air, um, in the bathroom that I had to be, you know, uh, 
beat about the brain with like was like what the fuck kind of like god damn you guys have weird porn shit here like what what is wrong with you people like they're japanese people are the kindest nicest most polite uh proper they're an incredible incredible group of people but they have some fucked up porn stuff man it like that you're subjected to like i didn't i wasn't seeking it out believe me honestly i am not lying like I was not seeking out Japanese pornography. It was there. It was in your face. You're like, fuck, man. God damn it. I just walked into here to pee and there's a picture of some girl like squirting green diarrhea in the air. Like, oh fucking God. Uh, enough of that. Ugh. So there's a liquor store right next to the venue, and oh, we became best friends with that gentleman. He spoke perfectly good English, and we were just go over in the, in and out of this place all night. He's like, oh, keep coming. Yeah, you guys are great. Where are you guys from? Like, we're from California, you know. Oh, I love California. Like, he had been to the United States before. He was super, super duper cool. Um, a bus full of, like, Japanese schoolgirls, like maybe middle school, drove by, and me and Ross are standing outside, and they're like, you could just hear the whole bus, like, laughing, giggling, laughing, and pointing at Ross and I. Um, we are something of an attraction in that town for that uh, that that day because um, there there was a really tiny little town. So so from from that show, uh, we head back to Tokyo and we're getting towards the end here. Boy, I've been going for a while. Yeah, I'm like an hour and ten minutes in here already. Oh, oh boy, howdy. Um, we're heading back to Tokyo. Um, to play our last show and I can't remember the name of the venue but we played that show was with Water Closet Disgustings I think Zero Fast San Oval maybe one other band big show like pretty good sized club maybe you know like 300 capacity I don't know something like that it was fucking packed we played our asses off we had like the best night I swear to god that was like the one of the best nights of my life we had so much fun the tour was ending that was our very last show um we adapted the custom that a lot of the Japanese band people did where you you have a white towel, like a almost like a kitchen towel, and you wrap it around your head when you're done playing to, you know, to keep the sweat from dripping down your brow kind of thing. Very um, uh, uh, traditional thing there for the working class to do, especially like if you work in a kitchen, you wrap your head in this towel kind of thing. So we did adapt that custom, one of the many customs we, we brought home with us. Um, also, as goodwill ambassadors to the people of the planet Earth, that's Tilt Wheel, that's us. Um, we brought home some of that spirit of kindness that we encountered in Japan. Thank you, Japan. And the people of Japan are some the most incredible people on the face of the Earth, I swear to God. So, um, yeah, working class thing, you know. Um, that night we went and stayed with uh, Yuichi of the record label Snuffy Smile, who put out our split, who was kind of, you know, he was really the main guy behind this whole tour, setting the whole thing up, help hooking us up with water closet for the tour and booking stuff and getting everything going. Yoichi, thank you again. If you're, if you ever get a chance to hear this, I don't know. I haven't had contact with him really since a few years after that, but, um, oh yeah. And by the way, here's one thing that I did miss at one point when we were in Tokyo, we go to this record store and, we knew the guy who owned the record store. It was called um, Bass. And the name of the guy who owned it was uh, Takashito. And you know what we did with that name, of course. Oh, Takashito, of course. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, we're tilt wheel. We're very mature. Um, Takashito had Bass. It was a 
fucking the best record store I've ever been in my life. Holy crap. I bought the Misfits famous monster picture disc, Japanese version, for 24 bucks. I bought a Guns N' Wankers 7-inch that I had never seen anywhere else that was really rare. They were huge. on. They loved Snuff in Japan. And Snuff was like, oh, my God, the biggest band ever. And, of course, Snuff, Duncan from Snuff, is plays guitar and sings in Guns N' Wankers. So, um, But we had met Takashito at... 924 Gilman Street a couple of years prior to going to Japan uh and he he came to the show to see us and we we're like wow like you're from Japan and like you know of tilt whoa holy shit dude okay and he bought a couple records and yeah and here we are in Japan seeing checking out his store incredibly nice man incredible store I wonder if it's still there I'll look it up and see and if so I will put a link on the website to base in Tokyo Japan uh, so, you know, we stay with Yoichi that night. The very next day, we go out and we do some of the touristy things. They took us to, um, like, Shinjuku City, which is where all, like, you see, you know, all the movies you see about Japan, like the giant buildings and the huge video screens and, like, thousands of people crossing the street at the same time. We went there and did that. And, like, it, Japan is such an amazing place because anywhere else in the world you would go, you know, there's literally like a fucking thousand people going, waiting for the walk sign to come on and crossing a street and not a single person touches you. Not a single fucking one. Personal space is important there because in a city like Tokyo where you live at the place you live in is probably pretty tiny. So they have a, a great respect for others, personal space. Another one of the, the incredible characteristics of the Japanese people that I admire so much is they don't fuck with you. They truly don't. Like, they have a lot of respect for strangers. Like, you know, United States people, fuck, you could learn a few fucking things from people from Japan. You really could. And I wish you would. I wish everybody in this country had to spend, like, six months in Japan just to figure out how to be a better goddamn human being. You think Trump would be president right now if, if everybody had to do that? I don't think so. I really don't think so. Because they would not put up with his bullshit in a place like that you know and fucking loudmouth piece of shit anyway um we went to a seven-story uh toy store in shibuya which was absolutely incredible and i'm looking right now actually yep there he is there's godzilla and there's monster x okay right here in the i want to party with bob headquarters studio incorporated limited the um store was the most insane place I've ever been like all crazy toys so I'd be like oh yeah Godzilla okay so I got two like Godzilla toys such a rad play I mean a seven-story toy store it was huge it was incredible it was a nerd's wet dream it truly truly was so you know doing the touristy thing that night they we all went out to dinner um zero fast and uh oval and uh water closet and disgusting we all went out i had uh i did taste raw horse that night for the first and last time of my life i will not ever do that again it was the most disgusting thing i've ever eaten uh, raw horse you know <laughs> yeah <sighs> yet later we're just gonna eat you without cooking you oh fuck yeah that was disgusting but that was an incredible night we all are drinking having a really great time and um it, here's here's where I pat myself on the back a little bit. G1 and Shimo both took me aside that night and told me, um, 
you are our favorite member of Tilt Wheel. Me, Bob. I go, me? Real? Why? Like, I'm, I don't do shit. You know, Davey and Ross are the loudmouth, drunk, fucking on synthetic cocaine people. You know, they're the fun ones. And they're like, well, we like you because you're calm, you're cool, you and you don't talk constantly like Davey and Ross do. So <laughs> I just had to throw that in here just to kind of, Davey and Ross, here you go. Just fucking think, eat that, will you? Just take that little nugget of the past and shove it straight up your asses. Okay. So they did tell me that. Ah, man, I'm telling you, those people in those bands were so great. The Everybody that I met in Japan was fantastic, except the guy who tried to steal my goddamn shoes one night. Uh, I can't remember where we were, but, yeah, this drunk Japanese guy, kept trying to take he literally was trying to take the shoes off of my feet as we sat there drinking and I was like man get the fuck away from me it's the only dude I ever had a problem with in the entire time we were there and we partied every single night you know you do that here in the states and some assholes you're gonna get like four fucking shitheads every night like fucking with you you know not in Japan that's why I have so much respect for the people of that country so the next day Shimo and Asuka of Water Closet drove us to Narita, um, dropped us off, and we flew home. And that was a bit parting is such sweet sorrow. Those They were fantastic people. And that was, I do have to say, probably my favorite tour and or trip that I've ever done with Tilt Wheel. It, obviously, I've been talking about it for almost an hour and 20 minutes at this point, and I didn't even cover everything that's in my mind. You know, I, I tried to keep it as short and sweet as I could, man. But yeah, that was incredible. I hope you enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed talking about it. Going through the history, I have uh, tons of like, you know, memorabilia that I brought back, just flyers and stuff like that. And um, I'll post some pictures of that on the site. So yeah, that was a time, man. That was incredible. Um, yeah, Thanks, you know, to Yoichi of Snuffy Smile, um, all the people in Water Closet and Disgusting's Oval Zero Fast for making all that happen. That was incredible. I owe you guys so much for making the like that the trip of a lifetime for me, like the tour of a lifetime. That was so incredibly fun. So uh, that's all for Japan. Now, at the very end of the podcast, I'm playing the last song on the split that we did for the Japanese tour. Uh, it is a cover by uh, it is a cover of a share song, uh, believe. Performed by the artist known as Tilt Wheel. The Tilt Wheels. Tilt and the Wheels. Um, yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, before we do that, though, uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Review me on whatever format you listen to. Spotify, Apple, whatever. If you don't mind, I would really, really appreciate it. Tell a friend. I'm always looking to for more people to listen to my stories of stuff. And uh, I would appreciate it. Yes, very much so. October. October's right around the corner. Busy, busy month here at the I Want to Party with Bob podcast. I got five coming out in October, even though there's only four weeks, uh, four weekends. Uh, it's all either ghostly, paranormal, creepy stuff the whole month. Let me give you the schedule. I don't normally do this, but I'm doing it for October because October is my favorite time of the year uh, because of Halloween, and that's how I roll. So, we're going to start out October with uh, a podcast on Two Guns, the ghost town in Arizona. That's fuck that place. It's it's fucking cursed. Don't go there. Uh, but it's a really interesting story. 
Um, next, we're going to do a little thing about the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland, kind of the history. And is it really haunted? Hmm. Well, you, you have to listen and find out, apparently. Um, I am going to do a history of the misfits and talk a lot of shit about um, Jerry and Doyle, I'm sure, and Danzig, you know. They're all three of them have giant fucking targets on their heads. Like as far as being having shit talked about them, this is a perfect opportunity for me to do that. I do love the misfits though, but I, I also love to talk shit about them. Um, I will be doing one on the Whaley house in San Diego. One supposedly America's most haunted house. I've been there several times through the house and fuck. Yeah, that place is haunted. I'll talk a little bit about we, what we've experienced. We actually have video uh, some shit moving around in there. It's pretty gnarly. And the very last one on Halloween itself, there will be a history of Halloween special edition podcast and where I mostly talk about when it was called like Hell Night and people would take your farm tractor apart and put it back together on the roof of your barn and or burn your fucking house down uh, because they did shit like that, you know, back in like the 20s and 30s and stuff. So anyway, thanks so much for listening. Um, Japan incredible place if you ever get a chance to go on tour with your band if you're in a band or just a visit or whatever vacation it is absolutely one of the most beautiful and amazing places on this earth so go uh, no matter what you have to do i would say go for sure thanks again to anybody involved in that tour um for tilt wheel that was the best trip ever so uh stay tuned for a little share cover song here. We'll get a little, uh, we'll get a little funky, a little, have a little fun. And uh, thanks so much for listening to the I Want to Party with Bob podcast. You take care and good night.